and welcome to episode two of Key Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel de Moliere. And in this episode, we sat down with the saga. He is a uh, hip hop artist out of New York. He's also a Christian battle rapper. And we get to know him a lot better in this episode. There's a lot more to him than just music and, um, you know, faith. And uh, we get to know him a lot better in this episode. And I think you guys will enjoy it. And um, again, hit us up at uh, Key Conversations Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Key Conversations Podcast. And I'm um, looking forward to hearing from you guys. We, will, we are doing a t shirt giveaway. So for the, I'll be giving out details on that actually on social media regarding the uh, t shirt giveaway for the Key, Conversa- Key Conversations Podcast t shirt. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you guys. Drop us some notes, leave us some comments uh, about the episode. And uh, this will also be dropping on YouTube. There is a video component to it. And uh, looking forward, you know, to you guys from getting some, to getting some feedback. So enjoy. I want to start by saying I definitely appreciate the time and the opportunity to have this conversation with you because the truth is that you don't know me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't know me from a can of paint. We've never spoken before. I reached out to you, man, on social media and... You were willing to do this interview for me, and I appreciate it. And I yeah. dropped, I actually, my first episode this morning, so this would actually be uh, my second one that I dropped once I am edit whatever I do. Oh, dope. Let's do it, man. Absolutely. Uh, Let's do it. So I appreciate it, man. So just a little bit about myself. My name is Emmanuel, as you can see. I'm from CT, from Connecticut. I wasn't born and raised here. I was born in Haiti. Uh, I came here when I was like maybe 10 or 10, uh, 11, maybe. So I'm 41 now, so I've been here most of my life anyway. How do you like CT? I like it, man been here most of my life, but most of my family is actually in New York, in Brooklyn. So when we first yeah. came here, yeah, when we first came here, we were in Brooklyn for a little bit on Ocean Ave. Well, I still have a lot of family in Brooklyn, man. a lot of family in Brooklyn and Queens and uh, Long Island. I mean, we have family here too, like Nyack, stuff like that. We have family all over the place, but I like CT. Yeah. I like, you know, it's good here. There's a misconception about Connecticut. You hear about a couple of bad areas in Connecticut and um, mm-hmm. the town I live in, you know, it's like one of the nicer ones. As you, you can say, a lot of high net worth individuals here, uh, the neighboring towns too. However, I grew up in one of the worst housing projects here. I don't know how many funerals I've been to, friends I've lost to gun violence and stuff like that. But there are areas here that are great, you know, to live, to raise a family, you know, so it's not bad. Absolutely. I totally understand, bro. And uh, yeah, sorry for the losses, bro. I know no matter what age you are, like losing somebody you care about is always going to affect you no matter where you are in, in life, you know what I mean? So yeah, man. From what I understand, you, you have black, half Puerto Rican, right? Half Dominican? Well, I'm like full Puerto Rican. But, you know, Puerto Ricans are just like a mixture of different things. I'm like full Puerto Rican. Like my parents, their parents, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. Yeah, but I identify as Afro-Latino. Mm-hmm. As you should. <laughs> yeah, as you should. <laughs> Certain people shy away from the black aspect of our history. So that's always just been a thing for certain people, even within the Puerto Ricans and Dominicans and stuff like that. But, you know, I embrace the Afro part of where I'm from and who I am. Yep. And uh, it's funny because since the protest started recently, one thing I'm seeing online a lot for the last maybe three or four days is all this uh, whole Dominican thing, how, you know, a lot of them shy away from claiming their African heritage. I'm seeing a lot of positive things for the first time. You know, to be honest with you, that a lot of them are actually coming out and saying they are embracing it. But I'm also seeing some videos of Dominicans saying, no, we're not black. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're not black at all. It's a certain level of ignorance that comes with that. You're so into 
it's like a, a pride thing, you know, like, like I understand you're proud to be Dominican and things like that. But if you're proud enough to be Dominican, you actually do a lot more research on who you are and where you come from. It all trace back to Africa. No matter what, man. Yeah. So I feel like at the end of the day, they just have a hard time accepting that side of, of their culture and who they are. But yeah, I've seen the same videos. I've seen a lot of Dominicans say, I'm not black, you know, stop claiming us. We're different. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I said, yeah. man, I grew up in Haiti, man. And uh, I have a lot of Dominican friends. I also have a lot of Puerto Rican friends. I like PR a lot. My wife and I have been here a few times. In Haiti and Dominican Republic, we have a bad history. Right. However, people don't realize, I mean, I've been to DR also. DR is pretty much just as poor as Haiti is. It's a third world country also. You know, like you said, I think it is a pride thing to the fact that, you know, because there's so much negative stigma with being black, they want nothing to do with that. But it's been ingrained in them, I mean, for a very long time. Man. I'm talking about a couple hundred years probably, you know, and it's still in them. You know, they've, they've passed it down for generation. And every few years, you see like an uptick in violence against Haitians in DR. It's sad to see. You have Haitians living in DR, even... Dominicans are the half Haitian that don't claim that side because they're afraid of, of the scrutiny. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can get to a space where we start to embrace more of who we are and embrace the idea of unity in that. I feel yeah. like there's too much division going on in the world right now for us to keep on dividing what's already being divided naturally. Um, mm -hmm. Ignorance through people's racism, through people's prejudice. Like we don't want to add more division to what's already feeling like that tension. Hopefully, you know, we can get to a space soon, hopefully sooner than later, that we can all just embrace each other. I agree, man. So let me start here, too. I don't want to start with battle rap yet. I'm a big battle rap fan. You are one of my, you know, one of the top guys that I do uh, appreciate uh, as an artist. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Man. We'll get to the beat out battle in a minute and some couple other things. Yeah. But um, congratulations on that. Anyway, that's it's a good look, man. I don't like to throw the C word around a lot. Classic. I take my time to throw around, you know, the word classic because a classic is something that takes time to actually develop. It has to pass the test of time. I'll say this is an instant classic, man, in my opinion. I really feel that way. Both of you guys really showed out. It was a special battle. Me and him, four years in the making. A lot of grudge matches that even go on that long. Sometimes they fail to meet the expectations you have for them. You know what I'm saying? Like you have a mm -hmm. lot of top dudes who have grudge matches. And when you finally see them in the ring, it's like Iron Solomon versus Murder Mook. It's like, oh man, it's finally going down. It's finally going down. And you watch it, it's. Yeah, no, like, like very lackluster. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. to have that grudge match before years and um, to leave that roof, and we both just looked at each other, was like, that was special. Like, we both knew. I didn't leave feeling like I lost. He didn't leave feeling like he lost. We both looked mm -hmm. at each other. Like, that was that, special. That was a different one. I, I think it's going to be rare for those kind of matchups to happen. And uh, yeah. I'm grateful that I, I have that, that classic. I can't think of too many in the last, let's say, two years. I can't think of too many matchups like that. That was just special. I said we we're going to wait till later, but we might as well talk about it now. <laughs> so I, I can think of like Iron Solomon versus Ron Mitty. That was special to me. That was a special match. That was a special. You know what it is too. No one, no one. If you know who Iron Solomon is, you know his work. But I don't think anyone expected that. Even Nitty, I don't think expected that. Yeah. And I love the outcome of that match too because there's so many times I gave it to Solomon, then I gave it to Nitty, then I gave it to Solomon. <laughs> now I'm giving it to Nitty again. 
So yeah, that was a special matchup, man. That was one of those ones. Honestly, it's like an unexpected gem right there. Ooh. We didn't that would be we didn't think that would be amazing. We knew it was gonna be good, but that battle was a classic. Like Ram and Av, Ram and Iron Solomon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just certain matchups that just like. How'd you feel about? It. How'd you feel about uh on that card, JC and Twerk? JC and Twerk. I don't think it was a classic. I think it was a really good battle. Twerk. I definitely think Twerk won. But the reason why I don't call it a classic is I feel like certain classics are just like you can go back and the replay value is still there. Like you can go back and watch Iron and Rum, and then on Tuesday you say Rum won, but on yeah. Thursday Iron won, and he's like, I don't. This is like so. I feel like yeah. a certain matchup. You can have great matchups, but I think a classic is just depending on the replay value of both parties and how indecisive it is to pick a winner because it's just like, yo, this. I can just go back and watch this and feel like I'm the culture one, the fans one. Yeah, you know? I agree. You know, it's funny because with uh, Mike P and Denny Myers, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like Denny Myers got that 2-1. I don't think it's a classic. However, Mike P had a classic round, obviously, right? Round two. Absolutely. But, One of the best rounds in URL history. History. However, Denny Myers' first round was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Out of this world. And and, and, and his, the first round wasn't even close to me. I think he right. blew my But Mike P's second round was so powerful that. And the funny thing is, Meyer's second round was also great, but my, you know, you're not gonna. My P round was so special. You're not, there's not much you can do, regardless of how good yeah. your round is, to overpower that round, man. But I go back and watch that match. I just watch Danny Myers first and Mike P's second. I don't even go past that sometimes. I just that's all I want to see, because I think Danny Myers was fired that first round. Yeah, no, absolutely. Danny and Mike had a lot of great moments. In that battle, Danny's first was really good, like you said. Mike P, on the other hand, that was one of the most <laughs> brilliantly calculated rounds that we've seen on URL a very long time. He literally broke down every aspect to his slogan, his saying, his phrases, and related it to a personal angle. And it was just like every bar in that was just like almost damn near a haymaker. Yeah. So that's one of those gems. It might go down as like top five greatest rounds in URL. Ever. Obviously yeah. this time, this time that will dictate who yeah. else. Like, I feel like either my second or third might be around your there. Your third. Yeah, your second. It's funny, everyone talks about your third. Your second was crazy. Your second yeah. was crazy. It was a special you know? it was a special conversation. It was a special conversation that needed to be had. You know what I mean? Yep. It was a very yep. very heartfelt conversation. Something four years in the making, something that just because we didn't battle over that time, doesn't mean I wasn't studying him and he wasn't studying me. So I paid attention very closely to what he did in that time before we met and uh, just attacked those angles the best way I knew how to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know what? B-Doc third was crazy, too. I'm not taking anything away from him. Oh, yeah, um, I, was- I try not to be biased with anybody, right? With any artist. Even if I had my favorites, I try to keep it fair because... That's the only way that you can truly judge a battle, right? But not to be biased. I think his third was crazy, too. His first was crazy. But I think you got the second and third. But even in the first, you ain't crazy in the first, too. That is Ventura Bar. I happen to do it's been, I love that movie. Maybe that's why it you know, yeah. sticks out to me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> on that African pain. 
to end up in a back when nature calls. It was like that oh. whole that whole scheme was special to me because every aspect I thought of the whole styles I invent are a few reasons I'm an ace from the faith involved, all that African paint to end up in a bag when nature calls. That, I thought of that all together at one time. Then I was like, you know, let me, with me, I like to dig a little deeper into my schemes and try to tag in as much as I can. And then when I looked up that scene again, I forgot that Tommy Davidson's character was Wachutu. Yeah. So, you know, tying in Wachutu to watch YouTube. Like let's say first Loso, I watch you to try. Mm-hmm. I want you I, to I fight that. I caught it. So yeah, I was I like, it, I want you to fight as you, as you try bull to convey your bark that you had on the paint, and he was trying to use a little angle. So I like for my angles to be well thought out and um, airtight. Yeah, I think though I feel like I'm not mad if you were giving him the first round. I feel like I still had some great content within the first that people could still enjoy even if you give them the round, you know what I mean? Let me tell you something. The only reason why I'm not saying 3-0 <laughs> is because it's very premature to say any battle was a 3-0 because yeah. his rounds were so great. I would have to watch it probably 10 more times to say 3-0, but definitely 2-1. His first was strong, man. Maybe it's me, but I think his first was a little longer than yours, right? Yours was a little shorter maybe? Yeah. So we agreed to do like 3.30 to 4. So I think my first round might have been around three or so. Okay. Knowing that as time progressed, I knew my second and third were going to be around the mark of what we're supposed to be because there was a lot more. Those were content-heavy rounds, and those were the conversations I kind of needed. So the first round, I don't know if you watch UFC or anything like that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite fighters, Anderson Silva, Yep. And, you know, first round in sometimes, he's not going for the kill. You know what I'm saying? He, play, he plays around. <laughs> and he's testing the waters. He's literally throwing leg kicks, just light jabs, just to test range and test distance. So when I think about the grand scheme of what I was doing and where I was leading to, I knew my first was going to be the test out round, but it was still going to be some pressure. Mm-hmm. But the second and third is where I was going to really – bring a new level of pressure on. Yeah, there's um, there are not too many battles I can think of, man, where somebody's second and third on that level, it's hard to beat, man, when you have two rounds like that. It's hard to beat somebody. It really is. I mean, I'm not a battle rapper, but I think a lot of battle rappers try to pick one round to be really powerful, like a third or the first or something like that, or second or rock second rounds or whatever it is. But because your second and third were both powerful, I think that's a better strategy, especially when you're facing somebody like B-Dot, man. You can't give them any space. You know, it's like when you're facing people like B-Dot, JC, a twerk, Av, you can't give those guys any room, man. You can't because, you know, they'll just <laughs> – they'll annihilate it. They'll take you out. And so um, with that battle in particular, I knew off the rip that my second and third were going to be powerful. My second, I wrote relatively fast because I was so emotionally just – upset at what was going on around the time that George Floyd news hit for the first time it hit. I was just in a new space where I was like, I was so emotionally distraught and I was so out of it and I was angry. I was, Mm -hmm. uh, my second round, speaking about people's mental health, even my struggles with mental health and how he tries to downplay people who have struggled through suicide attempts and depression Mm -hmm. and then tying in my involvement with the community 
to kind of just like, you know, show that I'm out here, you know what I mean? I'm not just in the church, I'm out here helping people. And then when yeah. I got to the end of my second, I knew it was gonna be a real emotional round for me because it came from a different space. It came from a space I haven't tapped into into a while. And I made that my second on purpose because I wanted to challenge myself to write something that I deemed great third. And um, I wanted to challenge him because I know he was going to take that angle in the third. So I kind of you, you, you kind of killed it. Yeah, you kind of killed it. Yeah, so I wanted, to, I wanted to get that angle in the second to kind of diffuse what he might say. Oh, what would a Christian do? What, is, what are you doing for your... I just want to say, like, towards the end, it was just my perspective of just not only being a man of God, but a man of color who's frustrated and who has had enough of this injustice and police brutality. I kind of want to show him no matter where we stand in the spectrum mm -hmm. of religious background, meaning that I stand just as mad as he is, but what I do with that anger, that's where we differ. So yeah. that's why I wanted to challenge myself to doing that. In this, yeah. I've watched battles where you'll throw stuff in, like in your rum battle, you give him that uh, employee of the month bar. Um, yeah. I hear you do say things like that, but in the beat up battle, you definitely diffuse whatever. And as you were doing it, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, shoot, this is what he's doing. That's when you know there's great writing because the person listening to it can see it. I can visually see where you were going with that. And I'm like, all right, it don't matter what beat I say after this. If he has these angles, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. it's not going to be as powerful, whatever it is, because you're already like, Diffusing the whole his whole scheme pretty much. That's the goal. Um, and eventually he ended up doing those angles. You know what I'm saying? I would speak exactly. angle and he talked about my mental health. He talked about the suicide. I already addressed that. I addressed the George Floyd situation where I stand as a man of God. Yeah. You know, he addressed it after. Um, Although his uh he, he <laughs> when he did that scheme with the um his boy, his man that was babysitting the Christian family, that was crazy though. I I, I like the way he put that together. But let me tell you something. Other than that one though. Nothing else that he said regarding those angles even stuck out to me because you diffused it. You already, like, put it to bed. So there's really not much he could have done with that. I feel like the way I tried to write would have worked out either way. Even if he would have said it first, it would have served as a rebuttal mm. or it serves as a pre-buttal to what he might say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He did that one time, too. He, like, he mentioned um, he gave him the bars about Nitty wasn't pretty much the Nitty that we usually see. He had that in his second round. He kind of touched on that in the second round. He's tired of hearing that. So he, he kind of did the same thing there. But that was just one bar from him. You know, mm -hmm. yours was like a whole round. <laughs> so, Yeah, know. when writing for a person, you kind of just, you don't think on the offensive all the time. Sometimes you think no. about what they could say about you. So he took that into account and saying, okay, well, I beat rum. But people are saying that wasn't the rum they're used to. So, you know, let me write in defense of that. So mm -hmm. um, you see it, like you said, but like me, it wasn't just one bar. I was literally taking the angles I knew he would say, studied the way he writes and how he, who he writes for and, and what angles he takes. And um, yeah, it's just like, I try to beat him to that angle. And even if he went first, I would try to write in a way that sounds defensive or sounds like a way to counter what he would say. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So was this your toughest battle, you think? Or no? I would say this definitely was. And a lot of different aspects. This is definitely top three toughest battle. Sits alongside JC and Rum Nitty. Mm. Because with this one, it's like the amount of pressure in the situation being that this is a four year rivalry finally coming to pass. And um, he's grown and progressed and matured as a rapper and as an artist. Mm -hmm. 
he's not going to attack me the same way he attacked Loso. So like, you kind of can guess where you're going to go with something, but you don't know for sure mm-hmm. what he's going to do until you're in the ring. So it's like a lot of my time preparing for the battle wasn't even done, but it was done with research. I'm reading books. I'm watching debates on Kemet versus Christianity. As I'm watching the debates, I'm going to cited sources that they say in the debate. And I'm just like a lot of uh, studying, which I haven't done a lot of since JC, you know what I mean? Studying a person's belief and things like that. I did appreciate the fact that um, BDOT though, although he battled Loso and you, two totally different battles. I respect the fact yeah. that he was able to do that, seriously, because everyone can't do that. He didn't repeat anything from the, from the Loso battle. No angles were the same. Listen, I respect B-Dot you know, to the fullest. I, you know, I really do. I just think right. he won the battle. That's all. Yeah. I feel like when me and him, me and B-Dot were the original conversation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that was what drove the narrative for B-Dot. Yeah. Me being a Christian, having some years under my feet, uh, solidifying myself, kind of gave light. And that's why I mentioned the third. It kind of gave light to the narrative because that's what people wanted to see. That was the original Christian versus comedic conversation. Mm-hmm. But due to politics and nonsense, it never happened. Yep. And he had that conversation with Loso. People still wondered what it would be like for Saga and B-Dot to have that conversation. And um, that gave us more time to grow as artists. So I feel like it wasn't going to be a comedic science versus Christianity part two. It was going to be a Saga b-dot conversation you know what i mean mm-hmm. you're gonna get like into christianity but like we've grown so much as artists in that time that we can have a conversation with one another so it's like yep. a whole other, it's like a personal aspect to it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. no it was dope I especially like after the battle what you guys posted with the two of you guys just talking at the end of it um yeah. side by side man that's we need that unity so bad right now man you know as you said earlier we're already being divided right Left and right. It's been going on for a long time. And we're divided by faith. We're divided by not just skin color, even skin tone. We're divided by what's going on right now as far as, you know, the Black Lives Movement. We have people purposely trying to divide us, right? What makes it worse is if we're internally dividing ourselves, we're doing all the work for them. And that that makes it so much harder to regroup, man, and to get things done. So I love the fact that you guys were able to, you know, after the battle, and I can see the level of respect on both sides, and that um, both of you guys see the bigger picture is that at the end of the day, we have to stick together. We all we got, really, you know, especially as black men, we all we got. I think that was a very powerful moment. Yeah, me and B-Dot, we made amends years ago. There was a, a lack of communication that kind of hindered that conversation. So there was a genuine animosity between us at the time when we first started to have that conversation in the battle. But mm-hmm. over time, we had a conversation. I think it was a little bit after Loso and B-Dot. Uh, me and him got on the phone. We chopped it up as men. We just talked it out. We realized it was just immature nonsense that kind of kept us away from having that conversation. And um, from then to now, that's my guy. You know what I'm saying? That's my brother right mm-hmm. there. But for the sake of the yeah. battle, we still had to show that we still want to give the people what they want in regards to four years in the making for this. But we knew off the rip, you know, he hit me up a few days before and he was like, listen, after the battle, I would love if we could just chop it up on camera and just like drive the message home of like, listen, you know, it's not about what you believe, not about who you believe in. We need to stand as one. And I'm like, absolutely. So right after the battle, we just shot that. I think that's the more important message we want to send to the world. You know what I mean? Like the battle was mm-hmm. great. People can- People 
can debate the battle. People can enjoy the battle. But at the end of the day, when B-Dot extends his hands out to me in that third and we just shake hands, it sets a new level of unity that we rarely see in battle rap. That's what made this whole battle special because it's like mm-hmm. the four years of animosity to the public eye. In the public, we're shaking hands and saying the beef that we had four years ago is not important. What's important right now is we have something bigger than us that we have to fight. I think that's what makes that battle a classic. I think it makes it one of the best battles ever because of the climate it was in and what we did with that. It wasn't just a regular battle. You can't just classify that under. No, 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 the, no. The timing could not be any better, man, for that battle. And I really love the fact that it was not on a big stage. It right. was in a, not even a small room. You know, it was uh, on a rooftop, not too many people there. And I, I think that made it even more special. I mean, you have no choice but to listen to everything at that point. There's no interruptions, no crowd reactions. Uh, I mean, you can hear battle rappers in the background, you know, because you know, it was a fire battle. I get that, but it was very, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, it was very limited, man. I, I made it very, very special. Yeah, man, shout out to everybody there, man. Shout out to Danny, Geechee, Chilla, Twerk. Um, so many great battlers, you know, people from the, the West Coast scene, everybody. It was like at least 30, 40 people up there. Oh, and, wow. Like, and the way they were just sitting, it didn't even sound like they were watching. They were just like solely, they were totally in awe of what was happening. At the end of each round between me and VDOT, they were just like, I don't know what to say. Like they were just in awe of what was going on. <laughs> and then by the end of the battle, mm-hmm. when we embrace each other and we walk away to the people, there was just like, Danny Meyer said he cried. Like when we shook hands, like it was like a beautiful moment in battle rap that just, it can't be forced, it can't be copied, it can't be, you know, that's not something that you plan and it's just like, it has that same effect. It was a natural, it's a natural thing, bro. And it was, um, mm-hmm. I was, I'm a big wrestling fan, so. I know. That was, <laughs> right, that, that was my WrestleMania rivalry. That's like Stone Cold mm. rivalry. This is like. In the Rock, yep. You know what I'm saying? This is like Undertaker, Triple H, end of an era match where they walk away mm-hmm. together. It's one of those moments, and um, I'll never forget that, man. Hopefully, people can take that with them. And, and Yeah, no, nah, there were a lot of special things about this battle, which made it more than just a battle, man, and which is why, we, I mean, we've been talking about it for a while now, because it's not just about the bars, just about the significance of it, which is why it's going to be special for a very long time, in my opinion. It's going to be around. This battle is going to be special for a very, very long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Let's uh, switch gears real quick. I want to talk about your faith, right? Christianity. I'm also a Christian, by the way. Let's touch on that real quick. So growing up, were you always in the church or did you get saved later on in life? Yeah. So I grew up in church my entire life. I was kind of like a family raised church. Then my grandfather started the church. My mother was the worship leader. My aunt was in the worship team. All my aunts and uncles played the drums, pianos, and they can play the piano and they can sing. My older brother plays drums. My little brother's in the worship team. I helped, I helped <laughs> it. I did sound, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, a fa- yeah. it's a family-ran church. It's been doing this thing for almost like 60-something years. Yeah, but I grew up in church, mm-hmm. but my relationship with God didn't get serious until I was about like 18. I was in church, but I wasn't really taking advantage of having that relationship with God like I should have. And um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I grew up, um, you know, in Haiti, the um, main religion is uh, Catholic, right? 
So right. I grew up Catholic most of my life, uh, just right up until about 17. Same thing to me. The last few years of that, between like 14 and 17, I just, you know, was getting nothing from it, to be honest with you. Um, mm. And then I took a probably, I mean, I probably didn't go to church after that for about, I went sporadically for like a year, like, you know, a few months, let's say between like 20 and 21. But I didn't go again until I was about 30, like 30. I would say close to 30, like 29, 30. Oh, wow. Um, been there ever since. But one thing, one thing people understand, right, about when you a man of faith, that first of all, as a battle rapper, I respect that because you're forced to be more creative than the average battle rapper, right? You, yeah. you know, you're already forced to be more creative yeah. than that. Yeah. And I respect that. I respect that big time. Also, with that, you have, there's like, we get attacked in the spirit more than, let's say, the average person does too, like a non-believer. We have different things that we have to deal with that most people don't. I haven't spoken on the George Floyd situation and everything that's going on. Right. Um, honestly, because I was dealing with so much with that, I didn't want to say anything because it probably would have came out really, really, really wrong. I was really angry. So now you battling between where you're supposed to be as a Christian and, right. you know, as a black man, as a, as a person, I, that's why I didn't see I've been posting about it here and there on Twitter and stuff like that. But that's about it. You know, I haven't like said anything on like on a podcast and stuff like that because I didn't want to say anything because one thing that I did post on Twitter was I was asking, you know, where are the good cops? Because, you know, good cops get really quiet when things like this happen. And there have been cops since then who have spoken out right against it. And a couple of them have lost their jobs. Yeah. You know, it happens. But if the majority are good cops, in the end, if they all stick together, the change is going to make. I'm friends with cops. I'm friends with cops here in town, people I grew up with. I know a couple of NYPD officers. I know officers in, in Philly. So I know cops. I can't say I hate all cops. I was probably saying I hate them. I don't hate my friends. However, I feel like this is what you signed up for, right? So you have to look at yourself in the mirror. You do. So if you can live with that, then I kind of look at you differently if you're, in, if, yeah. you're not, if you're not standing yeah. up. Just my opinion. My friend, his name is, uh, he's a battle rapper named Oops, but his name is Bruce Franks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, I know. I'm very familiar with Oops work, man. Very familiar. Yeah, so he wrote a tweet today that kind of stuck with me. And he said, uh, good cops, air quotes, good cops, your silence means compliance. If you don't speak on something, you condone it. If you don't speak up towards it, and I understand the risk of losing your job, but understand that the people who understand the injustice and they understand the risk you take in losing your job, like the people can help. We've seen plenty of times in lives where if something happens or somebody is wrongfully convicted, people will raise money towards bail. Or we see somebody who's going through a tough time and people have raised money to help with groceries or making sure their needs are met financially. I feel like the overall thing is to do what's right in this time because the more you stay silent to play it safe, you're drawing a line in the sand that won't go away because it'll always be held to people like, you could have said something, you could have tried, but the fact that you didn't shows your priorities are more towards this and not that. And it's like, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it really stuck with me. The whole idea of the good cops, your silence is compliant. Like you're complying to the narrative. No, it's true, man. I can't imagine being a cop in that situation where your job's on the line for doing what's right. It's tough. But if you're a man of the faith, you should already know where 
you need to go with. But if not, if you're not even a man of faith, there's morals and ethics that everybody is yeah. born with and should understand. And the more you go against your moral and ethics and just think, like, it's just, come on now. It's just like, it's yeah. so right for Like me. I said, I'm not trying to pretend that being a cop is an easy job. So you leave your house uh -huh. every day and you may not make it back home that day. That's the reality of being a cop. However, like uh -huh. I said earlier, this is what you signed up for, right? No one forced you to be a cop. If you signed up to be a police officer to protect and serve the community, then I can't say that there's only so much I can give you with that because number one, you're duty bound. Even because the argument is now, another thing I posted was that the lawyer for one of the cops said that there was a cop, I guess, who told the main officer who was killing him pretty much just turn him over three times and the guy didn't want to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So the lawyer said, well, everyone wonders why, you know, he's a rookie. What do you think would have happened in this and that? A cop, he was his fourth, his fourth day on the job. However, even on your first day on the job, you're duty bound. Is you're yep. duty bound to stop another police officer from doing something immoral or illegal. You're duty bound to that. And again, this is what you signed up for. I'm not exactly. saying it's easy. <laughs> so, you know, nice. but a guy that I know pretty well, he actually quit being a cop two years ago because he said he just wasn't that kind of person. He couldn't do it. He tried to stand up for something he saw was wrong in his department. And he became like the target of the department. So he just quit. He said, listen, I'm not like that. So I just quit. I'll work somewhere else. I can't live with that. You're taught to protect and serve, man. It's, it's written on the side of your car that you drive. Protect and serve. And with so much going on in the world right now, and you're not protecting, the question is, who are you serving at that point? The people, the regular law-abiding citizens, are the ones that you are supposed to help prevent danger from coming onto them, um, serve as somebody who protects the neighborhood. And if you're the one, even if you're not the one inflicting the pain, if you're tolerating it by not saying anything, how can the people then trust that oath you took in, in becoming a police officer to be true? You know what I'm saying? It's um, mm -hmm. This is why people grow upset. And this is why the voice of the people has just become a loud roar. And it's become protesting and rioting because we feel like those who are sent to protect and serve us are now in a space where they're not doing that. So we have to protect and serve ourselves. We have to be not there. Only, not only are they not doing that, they're using their authority against us. <laughs> so, yep. you know, it's twofold. If somebody breaks into your house, your initial thing to do is to call the police, right? Now, you're scared to because if the police come to the house and think you're the one that broke into your house, draw a weapon because of the color of your skin or because they think you're not financially good enough to live in a certain neighborhood, then you become the threat when in reality, you were the one that was threatened. It's heartbreaking at this point, yep. you know? I'm all of 29 years old. I've seen my fair share of injustice and police brutality. And that's, I've only seen 29 years of it. I can't speak for the other hundreds of years and things that, you know, but I know from what I've seen, it's become something to where I'm just like, really? Like, are we really, are you serious? You really, mm. you're not going to speak up. We're going to allow this. He's going to get off. That's why, you know, to reel it in a little bit back to the battle 
that second round, I wanted to express that anger as a man of God, too. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, Jesus is going to take care of it all. Though I believe that, the word also tells me faith without works is dead. He's so dead. I can't just pray on it and not try to um, put in that work in the courts, trying to make some legislative change with people protesting, or if I'm in the streets and yeah. we're fighting for that equality. But like, people forget, people just like trust, oh, just trust God, everything will be okay. But <laughs> the word says dead. Like the work aspect yeah, still man. needs to be applied and not just for our faith, but like in our everyday lives. And we have to reflect his goodness. And the only way we can reflect it is if we're around people that can see it. With so many people in the streets, we can't expect them to see God's goodness in the church when they're in the street. We got to be out there in the street, street man. Got to be in the street with them. So it's like it's a whole thing, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's man. No, I mean, you know, we we'll look at men of faith, the men of God. You no, know, like you said in your other battle, there's a synagogue Jesus, right? There's a, there's a you know, he was whatever he had to be at wherever he was at the time. But like you said, man, faith without works is dead. And there's there's so many different factors to us being uplifted, right? So you have of course, you know, the neighborhoods we live in, opportunities. You have one major thing that I'm really, really passionate about, education and, like, uh, uh, financial independence. So mm -hmm. in my town where I'm from, I grew up literally right across from a boys and girls club. It was right across from the projects. And right. I, I worked there as a teenager. I actually volunteered there before I even worked there as a teenager. Then I worked mm -hmm. there as a teenager. When I went away to college for a couple of years, they gave me scholarships. You know, I've always known, like, the, the directors there. I actually just got a program approved through them, I put together a curriculum actually to teach elementary and high and middle school students about financial independence, about budgeting and investing what the stock market is so they can have that financial education early that they're not getting in school because we don't get it as black and right. Spanish kids, you know, we don't get that. So by the time that makes right. a difference in them, you know, it's like a 12 week course. So by the time, right. you know, it makes a difference in their lives, they can pass it on to their parents and their friends that can touch different generations. And when you're in a good financial space, you have more options, right? You can help out. I haven't been out to any protests. There's been some in my town here, but um, I've been involved and donated to certain groups that I believe in in this fight. You do what you can where you can. I'm concentrating on financial education for young black kids and Spanish kids, man, because I think that's really, really important. I really do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I applaud you for that, man. That's awesome, bro. I appreciate it. So regarding, I know you, I know you can't really disclose do you have any other battles locked in yet or no? Right now, we're working towards getting some more stuff locked in. I think I have a battle, a smaller league called Gates of the Garden. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have a battle next Saturday, I believe on the 20th, against Alias the Unknown. Which, yeah. Um, to me, it's a, it's a quick three-round, two-minute battle. But in regards to... URL. We're still working some things out because, you know, just trying to plan battles around this the pandemic time, things not fully being open, especially with the attention that they want to bring to certain battles has been tricky. So it's just uh, trying to figure out what works best. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So right now at this time, you know, we're in discussions, but, you know, anything is possible right now. So Yeah. You know, I mean, July, I mean, I know I would love to do like a gnome or summer madness or Smack Volume, which mm -hmm. are like more premier events. But I guess whatever works within this time that makes sense and that can help to push the brand, I'm down for, you know? Mm -hmm. Gnome is around the corner, so you don't have that much prep time. 
Um, if you yeah. were to get on Gnome, you know, it's pretty close. I mean, I don't know when Summer Madness is and volumes. Uh, they, they probably not, haven't even decided for that stuff yet. Gnome will be here before we know it. That's like right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big one. It's Gnome 10. We'll love to see, uh, you know, Sensei Saigo on that yeah. stage, but you also got to be smart. <laughs> In the grand scheme of everything, I've prepared for battles with less time. So it would be a month. Like, let's say, because, like, we're in June 10th, and Gnome is July 11th. Mm -hmm. I would literally have a month if things were to work out. And I've prepared for battles with, like, two weeks. So Okay. Yeah, so it's just a matter of locking in. Locking and just in. feeling uh, motivated enough to write my rounds and just go through it. But um, I feel like a month is fair enough time. I've worked with less time before. I would mm -hmm. prefer more time, obviously. But um, I've worked under moments of pressure where I've had like three days to write and memorize a third round, which is kind of like what happened with B dot. Like my third round, I finished maybe two days before the event. Wow! There was so much pressure, um, <laughs> so much new information. But if it goes down and they say, "Hey Saga, look, we got three weeks. Do you think you can get ready? I can get ready. I can do it." Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, we're looking forward to it either way, man. Whichever card you're on, definitely looking forward to it. I want to touch on one more thing real quick. Mental health. So yeah. I have personally not struggled with mental health, but I do mm -hmm. know people who have my whole life. You get to do uh, the guy in the hood who's growing up, you know, you just call him crazy. They don't look at him as he has mental health, right? There's a stigma to that. Plus, we're younger. You don't know what you don't know. But especially being a Christian, because I saw you one time on Twitter, maybe a few weeks ago. I'm paraphrasing, but you tweeted that, you know, you were having a tough time and that um, depression's kicking your butt or something that you were going through a mental yeah. phase. And um, I remember commenting on that. I won't claim to understand it, obviously, because I can say I've never been through that. I can only claim it from what I've seen in other people. I definitely empathize and I definitely see it. So what exactly do you do to pretty much deal with that? And what exactly are you doing in a community, like you said, you know, with, with kids that deal with mental health? I've dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with depression since about eight years old. This has been a constant struggle. It's not something to where I can say I'm fully over it because I feel like when God is putting things in your life, he never wants you to fully conquer it. He'll bring it back to see if you still have dominion over it, but it'll never fully be like something where, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? After you've climbed the mountain of it, God will bring it back around to show if you still have dominion over that situation. So there'll be days in my life where I still go through it. But within myself, I've been praying a lot more. I've been practicing my daily affirmations when I wake up, speaking words of encouragement to myself, practice breathing exercises. I have this app that I listen to as I practice my breathing exercises. My anxiety is triggered by so many things happening at one time and focusing on future things, I feel overwhelmed by stuff. So I have like these dry erase boards I put up and I plan things out, priority, what I need to do during the day, what mm -hmm. needs to be done at a certain time. So it kind of helps me to compartmentalize those things. Yeah, man, words of affirmation, prayer, my breathing exercises. I use a, a diffuser, essential oils, to kind of mm -hmm. like a different kind of just a more pleasing scent to the, yep. to the house. And even within my community, so... I've been a part of the Department of Education for almost like four years now. And in that, I will work as a teacher's assistant, but I specialize in working with kids who have special needs, whether it be emotional, behavioral, things of that nature. I specialize in working with kids who struggle to pay attention 
or struggle with their anger or struggle That's with uh, mental stability. Knowing the struggle I've had growing up, I've always wanted to be the effective change in a lot of people's lives, you know, using my gifts and my art and stuff like that. I want to still be a little bit more hands-on with bringing that effective change into school systems, you know what I mean? And using the influence I have because some people, I worked from pre-K all the way to high school. Wow. And um, some of the high school kids watch battle rap. They remember me from one of their favorite battles or they remember me from battling somebody that they know. And using my influence from my art, my talent, as well as showing them that I'm still in the school system with them, I'm just trying to help. It kind of gives people a chance to see that um, you're not alone in your struggles, yeah. you're not alone in how you feel. I understand the mental struggle you deal with. One minute you're just happy and things are going well, and then you just have this moment of feeling, am I good enough? Am I loved? Am I appreciated? And somebody mm-hmm. who struggled with that for years, and somebody who's fought through it, it's easier for me to tell these kids you are cared about, like you are appreciated. Keep going, keep working hard. You're excellent. And we've been giving them the words of affirmation that I use. I have this thing called the four C's. Every morning I tell myself, I'm calm, I'm confident, I'm capable, I'm covered. So calm, nice. speaking, towards, calm speaking towards the anxiety. I'm not going to let anything take me out of my zone. I'm confident. I believe in myself enough to keep my head held high, my chest out. I'm not going to walk slouched and head down. I'm capable. I can do all things. It's possible for me to get anything done in the day as long as I put my mind to it and I'm covered. And that speaks more to my faith in regards to saying I'm covered by Christ and that he has his plans for me are good and not to harm me. So I'm calm, capable, confident, covered. Yeah, it works. I've seen drastic change in kids' behaviors and their grades and how they socialize. They're living more of a life in and out of school. So I'm just grateful to use my platform, my testimony to bring change to people's lives. No, that's dope, man. I definitely commend you for doing that. That's uh, We're supposed to pass it on. You know, we're supposed to use our testimony to help others. That's what we're supposed to do. Absolutely. That's great that you're doing that. And it's funny, I do um, daily affirmations with my, I have four kids. I have an older one going to college um, wow. and I have three younger ones. Uh, that are five and, and, and I have twin boys that are five my daughter's three right. so but I do it with them in the morning especially the younger ones every morning man we do you know I eat breakfast with them and we go around the table and um, I make them do it and they use um, confident and capable but I'm gonna have them do the four season I, I like that a lot I'm definitely gonna take that from them. <laughs> yeah man it's just something I've practiced I thank God that I have the right people in my corner to kind of just serve as healthy reminders if I don't have people in my corner it's easy for me to let my thoughts just drown out any positive affirmations. You know, I'm just like, ah, I look at a battle, I see the comments or mm-hmm. somebody on Twitter, some people are talking crazy on Instagram, social media, and I'm just like, I can easily just get thrown off. Mm. Um, but just having the right people in your corner when you need to unplug and they just remind you, yo, you're great. Like, you're powerful. Like, you really are amazing. You, you give yourself so much slack, but it's like at the end of the day, like, you understood how effective you are in your community and grew into a thing. I'm like, I'm calm, I'm capable, I'm confident, I'm covered, you know what I'm saying? You're living um, what I call on purpose. You're living a legacy in battle rap, right? That's a legacy that's gonna be forever. If you stop battling today, in my opinion, you stamped, right? But what you're doing with the kids, that's a legacy of its own. That's never gonna go away. Even if you never see those kids again, 
the impact that you're probably having on their lives. I run into people like kids in my town once in a while that I was their counselor or their tutor when I was in high school or right out of high school. And they tell me, oh, you know, I want to thank you so much when I was eight or when I was 10, whatever, I was going through this. And I remember talking to you. Now, mind you, honestly, I don't remember any of it, but I've had that happen to me so many times, man, to where people come up to me and say, listen, I, I appreciate you so much. You know, when I was a kid, you looked out for me. And that really, you know, that helped me out a lot in life. So you never know how much of an impact you have on people, man. So you have to do the work because, and I got to go back into the financial thing, man. I feel like that's so important for young kids, man. But what you're doing on the emotional level for them is probably going to have a bigger impact because that's going to help them into adulthood and especially how they treat their own children and people around them. So I think that's dope, man. So if you have a thousand comments, you have tons of negative ones. Don't even look at those, bro. Look at the look at the look at the positive ones. You know you're doing great work out here, and it can't be taken away from you. You know what I'm saying? Listen, Man. if YouTube gets shut down right now, the internet gets shut down, no one can ever see another battle of yours. You're doing stuff outside of that that no one can ever take away from you. And that's the bottom line, man. You know, and you should be applauded for that. Anybody who's doing stuff like that, man, I have a different level of respect for, man. I really do. Seriously, you, man. Um, just trying my absolute best, man. Like you said. I'll say this. It's easy to say just don't look at the negative comments. Sometimes I know. I, I don't I don't I don't get I don't get thousands of comments, so it's easy for me to say. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I say this. I could be in a room, I could be in a room for a hundred people, right? I could be in a room for a hundred people, and ninety-nine people can be be showering me with love, adoration, just like words of affirmation. And it could be that one person that says, I don't really like you. And then like I will literally Push the 99 to the side, like, what are you doing? Like, are you, like, did I say something that offends you? Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Did I, I don't know. It's just something that's been like, as how I was wired as a kid. Mm -hmm. But now I kind of, with battle rap, it's kind of allowed me to have tougher skin with dealing with that. And it's kind of taught me to appreciate the love a lot more. Oh, yeah. But like, I've always had that problem growing up. Also, I'm like, why don't you like me? Everybody's like, yo, focus on the positive. Oh, yeah, hold on one second. Why don't you pick me up? Why did, what did I do? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know, it's funny. This guy that I know, he also struggles with uh, mental health and, and, uh, and anxiety. He said to me that one thing that triggers that for him is when something like that happens, right? So mm -hmm. he could have a lot of people telling him good things about himself. The moment somebody does say something negative, he takes it to a level to where it affects him mentally. He actually has anxiety about it. He's gotten a lot better with that, but he's, he told me that it's because what it triggers in him is insecurity. And a lot of anxiety, a lot of mental health comes from insecurity. So to him, because he was having an issue with if he was good enough, so if somebody you know mentioned to him you know they didn't like him or he wasn't good enough at something, because he had that insecurity in himself, that just magnified the situation that just magnified, you know, the right. comment. So once he became more comfortable in who he was and realized the impact that he's having, you know, in the world and stuff like that, he does a lot too. That's when those things actually don't even bother him anymore. They don't even trigger him anymore from what he's telling me. So just keep that in mind also. A lot of it comes from that, according to him. He goes through that. So that, it just came to me when you, when you mentioned that, that that's what he mentioned to me. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Absolutely. It's definitely a constant. It's a constant thing. You got to just keep on working at it, making a conscious effort to keep on working at it. So it's definitely something I always try to put into practice, just like focusing on the positive, 
and not allowing myself to get drowned in the negative. I don't know if you've seen this. It's like a little funny video. This is like this little kids in a pool, like a beach or something like that. And he's holding on to a rope. He's crying mm-hmm. like about to drown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and his mom or his sister or something like that puts his feet down and he's able to stand up and he's above the water the whole time. So it's like, I feel like sometimes I allow the negativity to make me feel overwhelmed when in reality, when I just plant my feet, I could stand above it and be like, oh, I don't think that was necessary. I don't, I don't even know why That's I was it, stressing. It's a constant thing. Sometimes your mind, especially like I said, I've been dealing with this since I was eight years old. So we're going on like almost mm-hmm. 20 some years. That's um, a long time, Sometimes man. your mind goes comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes your mind feels comfortable going into that that space and staying there rather than overcoming. So it's a constant thing where you have to remind yourself that you're greater than and um, work through that. Yep. Lastly, I see that you have uh, merch coming out, and I definitely appreciate that Sting shirt that you had on. Where can we find your merch? So the merch is available at theoutsiders.com. Uh, TH3outsiders.com get ready to drop some brand new merch which I'm really excited for I think in this season of my life I see things elevating and going on up and up and um, I don't want to just be prepared battle rap wise and music wise I kind of want to bring it around all together with just dope merch that even if you don't watch battle rap you still feel comfortable wearing this this is something that you could just wear out and about and it just it represents a style and yeah, so I'm excited for a lot of new stuff that's getting, getting ready to drop very, very soon. Um, mm-hmm. And ready to start pre-orders for the Sting shirt. We're going to bring that out there to the people. And I'm um, just mm-hmm. really excited. Man. I feel like I'm just entering into a new season of my life. And uh, I want to still be able to capitalize in every aspect with the music, the battles, the merch, every other aspect I can to just make sure that people recognize the brand, people appreciate the brand, and that we continue to work hard to keep it going. Yeah, that was dope. I don't really market it much, but I have a, a motivational t-shirt line also, but strictly on Amazon. If you type in like, I motivate on Amazon, you'll see like all my products, all my t-shirts and stuff on there. That, which leads to my final, final question. Where do you see Saga 10 years from now? I would be 39, retired from battle rap, hopefully. Jesus, I can't, <laughs> I can't see myself doing it that long. I, I give myself another few years. Um, but I see myself an established artist, a couple of foundations to help people with mental illness and mental health. I see myself running a few businesses, investing, creating generational wealth, not only for me, but for my future kids and their kids is something I learned from my grandfather. Just not only just leave a legacy behind, but leave something for your kids and their kids to kind of just fall back on. So kind of want to follow in his footsteps and leaving something worthwhile in life for generations after me. Yeah, man, established artist, a couple of foundations to help towards mental health, mental illness, depression, anxiety. I want to be on the forefront for those conversations and, and be a spokesperson to kind of help people deal with that. Clothing line. I'm those are going to be stuff music related as well, but I can't mm-hmm. just put my finger on that. Yeah, man, just tapping into just out, even outside of the platform of rap, you know, like Jay-Z's and, and the Diddy's, you know, the Kanye's to where like they've established themselves outside of what they were known for. Like, you know, they yeah. have companies and organizations that run themselves in a sense. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I definitely see myself in that realm somewhere. 
I feel like I have the passion and the drive for it. I just got to just um, keep my head on straight enough and build up a team that I can trust to help me get to that vision. And the rest is all God, man. That's dope, man. And again, I wish you the best with everything you have uh, lined up. I'm sure you do great, man. I definitely, you know, see a lot. I can see, you know, doing all those things. So you got to see yourself doing all those things. So that's great. Uh, I've listened to most of your music. I definitely appreciate the music too, by the way. I know we didn't really touch on that, but, you know, the music is dope. And, you know, just keep pumping it out, man. Absolutely, absolutely, man. We got a lot more stuff dropping soon, so just grateful for everything going on. I know it's going to be a lot, but I'm thankful for everything happening, and I'm just trusting God and everything going on, whether it's battle rap music, clothes, yeah, everything, man. As one platform elevates, it'll bring and shed light to everything else going on, so even if, like, you weren't familiar with the music, it would things be worked out. There would be things worked out to where the battle rap would bleed into the music where you would hear my mm -hmm. music before bat, something like that. So, you know, we're just trying to yep. get to a space where everything is working with each other and for each other. Yep. Oh, man, the Bible says, man, you know, you're supposed to have six, seven streams of income. It's in the Word. <laughs> you know, it's in yep. there. And if you look at all the great men in the Bible, they've always left legacies for their children. They always were able to bless the generations after them, you know, always. Yep. You know, so... Yep. That's definitely a great uh, template, a great example to follow. So, yeah, man, we're going to wrap it up. I definitely appreciate your time, man. You know, you have no, you have no idea how much this means to me. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me about, you know, all these things. And, you know, I can't thank you enough, bro. Seriously, I appreciate it. Man, I definitely want to make sure we can get around to this. And, you know, I appreciate the conversation. I think it's something that's always needed. I think it's important. And um, I'm glad that we're able to have this conversation and, Blessings to your platform, man. You know what I mean? Hopefully it's continue to grow and elevate and we can see a lot more people come on here and just share their stories and their experience. And um, it all just glorify God at the end of the day, man. You know, I appreciate it, man. I have, uh, we have some good things lined up. Once we drop um, this one, I have another one uh, with a, uh, this guy named Jay Jones. People should really check him out. He's out of Philly. Right. He has a podcast called um, The Black Entrepreneur Blueprint. He's dope, man. He's got, he launched his own version and like Fiverr for freelancers. So it's called blackfreelancer.com, I believe. He has another website called besmartbyblack.com. You know, he has a book called um, The New Black Wall Street. So, you know, he's working in that realm. And he's, we, we had a really, really good um, sit down also. I'll be releasing that after this one though. And I also have a really, really dope racism episode coming out. That's going to be interesting, too, with some people on there. So <laughs> that one, I can't wait for that one to drop also. So, again, I, I'm excited, I bro. And I appreciate you even having me on the platform, man. That means a lot. And I'm just grateful that we could have this conversation, man. Yep. No, I appreciate it. So I'll probably watch the battle again today. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll probably throw something on Twitter, you know, about the interview and to look forward to it. Absolutely. Let me read that and everything. Yeah, man, I'll definitely, uh, once I'm done, you know, with the editing stuff, I'll definitely send you a link. You know, maybe you, know, you can post it up, you can post it too. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. let the people hear it, man. I, I think it was great. Absolutely. You know, whenever you get a chance to send me the link, yeah, let's do it, man. I'm excited yeah. to see how everything turns out. Yeah, no, thank you, man. No problem at oh, all. Oh, yeah. God bless, man. You know, again, I wish you the best with everything. You know, we'll be in touch, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Y'all have a great day, right. bro. Be safe. You too, man. Peace.